I admit, I downloaded the online dating app OkCupid recently, not because I'm searching, but because I'm researching. So if my husband's listening, honey, you have nothing to worry about. I just think OkCupid is one of the most engaging brands on social media. They don't just connect couples, they connect with their users too. Today, I had the honor of chatting with one of the masterminds behind OkCupid, Michael Kay, who is the head of global communications. No matter your dating status, this episode is sure to inspire you as we get into the data behind dating. We also talk about stigmas surrounding online dating, how OkCupid incorporates both pop culture and purpose into their marketing, and their strategies to stand out from their long list of competitors. Michael has a ton of wisdom to share, so let's get into it. Welcome to Making the Brand, the podcast where marketing and pop culture collide. I'm your host, Brianne Fleming. I can't wait to chat about brands, boy bands, and everything in between. Because brands who have a pulse on pop culture can create adoring fans of their own. Welcome back to the Making the Brand podcast. You know on this show, we kind of have a nostalgic Y2K angle to everything. And that being said, one of my favorite movies is You've Got Mail from 1998. Classic Meg Ryan, classic Tom Hanks. And it's a love story about meeting online, but that's 25 years ago. It's time for an update. And I'm so excited that Michael Kay is here to talk about modern day online dating. He is the head of global communications at OKCupid and also a fellow adjunct instructor. You work at NYU, Michael. Thank you so much for being here. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm curious, what do you teach at NYU? I teach practical public relations. So it's more about the day-to-day of a PR professional versus theory-based communications. Gotcha. Well, I'm very curious to hear about your day-to-day at OkCupid and all the cool things that you're doing over there. But in the spirit of nostalgia and kind of our early days of the internet, like in You've Got Mail and meeting people on AOL back in the day. I would love to know what are some of your earliest memories of the internet and making connections online? Yeah. So in terms of the internet, I remember in middle school, I spent a lot of time online. I actually had a really weird hobby. I loved creating Microsoft PowerPoint presentations for my parents. So I remember searching for images online that fit the themes of those decks. I remember one of them was like celebrity lookalikes. And I loved like cropping the images and creating like all these different sides. So looking back, it's probably not a surprise. I wound up working in communications and marketing where we're always creating a deck to present. That's like my first, first memory of being online in the internet. But when it comes to making connections, I remember a few years after that, I was in high school and it must have been my freshman year. And I remember needing a friend to help me create a Facebook account because I had no idea how to do it myself. I was not super tech savvy on social media. And that was my first real experience with social media. I was never really a MySpace person. And 
I feel like I remember my parents warning me about MySpace and making sure I was never on the platform. They were very nervous. I'm also adopted by my grandparents. So they are baby boomers and had a very different take on tech and social than many typical millennials' parents. And then after college, that's when I started playing around with dating apps because they were really the only way for a closeted gay man like myself to meet people discreetly. So there I was, a newly graduated gay man, and I was downloading Tinder and swiping away. And and that was really my opening into the LGBTQ plus community. That was my opening into dating apps. And really the first time that I was looking for romantic connections online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a great point. I never thought of it that way, that it does give you that safe space if you do want to search for connections discreetly, doing it online versus out in the open and trying to meet people out and about, it does allow for that. So that is a a great benefit of it. So I would love to know, again, speaking about your day-to-day, what is your day like at OkCupid, a typical week in the office? It sounds like you have a, a great culture there. So tell me about it. Yeah, I know everyone says every day it's different and it's so annoying when they do, but it's the absolute truth. So for me, there are mornings when I'm running to lunch with an editor from Cosmopolitan or afternoons working on a partnership with the White House, which I never thought I'd be doing in my career, or evenings emailing with a friend at Mashable or jumping on ABC News to chat about a new dating trend. But overall, I'm never, ever bored in my role. So in this position that I'm in at OkCupid, I'm responsible for pitching stories to the media, handling all press interviews, reviewing influencer content, approving social media posts, drafting blogs. So they keep me really busy. And I I absolutely love it because it uses different parts of your brain. I think the work is very different, but there is a common thread with everything I mentioned. And that's storytelling. Absolutely. Yeah. It sounds exciting. Again, so many different connections that you could make yourself just pitching. And I'm going to have to hear the White House story. What was that campaign? Yeah. So if for any listeners, I don't know if you've heard, but we've been living in a global pandemic. (laughs) So at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, we on OKCupid, for anyone who's unfamiliar, we have in-app questions. And that's what we use to connect people who are we feel most compatible based on all the information that you're giving us, all the interest you're sharing with us. And we started to add in new questions about um, the COVID-19 pandemic, how you were dating, if you were dating virtually, if you were taking a pause from dating. And we actually decided to support the White House's efforts to get more Gen Zers and millennials vaccinated all across the country. And we released an I'm vaccinated profile badge so that daters could feel safe meeting in person. So we made it really easy for you to come on to OkCupid and only be matched with other people who were vaccinated against the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. And I know that was a a big challenge during the pandemic is trying to meet people and and doing so safely. So I think that was incredibly smart. And what a cool experience to add to your resume to work on a campaign with the White House. And and what a great way to to give back and make a difference. Awesome. It was so crazy. The fact that we could even say that we were, you know, supporting the White House was just really incredible and to do so on such an important effort, but to see okay cupid data mentioned in the white house press briefing like that was a surreal moment and then that actually became a skit on snl afterwards so it was just such an exciting time during such a turbulent moment 
Yeah, that's when you know you've made it when your brand is featured in an SNL skit. So that is <laughs> incredible. I'm so excited for you on that. So you mentioned storytelling. You work in PR. PR is all about managing perceptions and controlling narratives. And I think it's safe to say there's been a stigma about online dating. I think we've come a long way with that. But do you think there is still a stigma around meeting people online versus the old-fashioned way? And how do you manage this perception in your communications at OkCupid? Yeah, absolutely. So it's I've I've been here for three or four years now, and it's so interesting from a personal perspective to see how the perception around online dating has really changed. So I graduated college in 2014, and around that time was actually when I first heard Tinder. I had no idea what it was. I didn't know any other dating apps, but I was on a trip in Ocean City, Maryland with a few friends, and one of them was meeting up with someone that they met on Tinder. And I remember saying to them, wait, you were meeting up with a stranger that you met on your phone in a city that we don't live in. That's the weirdest thing ever. And a few weeks later, I was back home after college and I thought, you know, I'm ready to start talking to other men, other gay men and, and seeing how those conversations go. And I didn't know how to do it, but I wound up in the app store and downloading Tinder and it was awkward at first. And I'm actually now almost nine years later, still in a relationship with the person that I met on Tinder, actually the first date I've ever been on. So Tinder success story there, but also seeing my friends and everyone around me, the perception really has changed. We have a, you know, a ways to go, but I remember five, 10 years ago, people would say, it's really creepy to meet someone online. And now I have friends who are at a bar and they're like, God, that was so creepy. That random person walked up to me. So now we're taking a perception about meaning IRL, which I find really interesting. That's so true. Yeah. You always see like these creepy interactions that people have, or, you know, the way you you'll meet someone once and then you randomly get a DM later. That's a little too close for comfort because they met you that one time. And yeah, I guess dating online now is almost a safer option. So yeah. And I also like if you're super busy, you're like us working multiple jobs, it's actually really more convenient because you're able to weed people where there's no chemistry or there's no compatibility. You know, okay, Cupid, we have very robust profiles. You have many prompts to fill out. You have to answer at least 15 of our matching questions. You get to see a compatibility score, which we call a match score or match percentage on the app. So every person you're matched with, you'll see, or even before your match, you see a percentage of how compatible you are with that person. So if you're only, you only have time to meet up with maybe one or two people a week, if that, it's nice to be able to learn a lot about them before you're actually going and spending time and money to meet up with them. Absolutely. Yeah. You could be a lot more direct about what you're looking for. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm sure even throughout the pandemic, I mean, if if there was this stigma pre-pandemic, during the pandemic, this was totally the norm to meet people online. It was the only option you really had. So I'm sure there was a lot of shifts in perception just surrounding that. So it's great to see. Absolutely. We're seeing so many trends driven by Gen Zers and millennial daters. Yeah, that's a great segue because I would love if you could describe who OKCupid's okay audience is. Is it primarily Gen Z and millennials right now? And how do you cater to that audience? Yeah, so the majority of our daters are definitely millennials who tend to live in 
large metropolitan areas like New York City, Los Angeles, Chicago, although we have daters across all generations, across all states in the US, and we actually have users in over 100 countries around the world. So there are people for everyone on OkCupid. I mean, we've been around for almost 20 years for a reason. We are an OG in the dating app space. So someone for everyone on our platform. And one of the one of the biggest trends, because I know we were just talking about trends for a second that we're seeing that I find really interesting, something very different from what we've seen in the past few years. But what we're seeing now is this rise and comfort level around open relationships and them no longer being taboo. So we know that openly non-monogamous relationships have been around for centuries. This is not a new concept, but younger generations, unlike older generations, are really embracing them and they are alleviating the stigma that that they once carried. You know, last summer, there was a 26% increase in mentions of ENM, which for anyone who doesn't know, means ethical non-monogamy on OkCupid profiles compared to the beginning of the year and a 42% increase compared to the previous summer. And, you know, we throw percentages around a lot, but just to put this into perspective, to give you a little bit of a sample size of nearly 30 million people on OkCupid, 30%, roughly eight and a half million singles said they would be interested in an open relationship and people are becoming more open to ethical non-monogamy. So that's that's not a small sample size. It's not you know a couple of dozen people. And we're also seeing changes year over in this. So in, in 2018, 30% of Gen Z and millennial daters on OkCupid said, yeah, I'd be open to an open relationship, but that actually jumped to 33% and 36% respectively last year. So people have more love to give and they want to share it with more than one person. And we're really seeing Gen Z lead the charge here. Huh. That is beautiful to see a lot of love in their hearts that they can, they can spread around. And I want to say we've even seen that depicted in pop culture a bit on, on TV mm-hmm. shows and things. There are relationships that are more fluid and more open from what I've observed. So it's great that OkCupid is on top of that data and doing that research. And it sounds like you've adapt some of your messaging and you use those insights to really reach those kinds of daters. So that's awesome. Absolutely. I feel like we're always evolving our branding, our communication efforts, our marketing to adapt to what's culturally relevant. Absolutely. And that's, I'm so glad you touched on that because that's really the premise of this podcast is understanding what's topical, what's trending, and making sure we never get too comfortable in our marketing and kind of seem out of touch. And that's really why I wanted to talk to you because it's very clear that OkCupid is on top of these things and ahead of the curve and really listens to their audience. But also from what I've observed, I feel like you guys do an excellent job sparking conversation on social media and on Twitter and really engaging and having two-way conversation with your audience. For example, I know you'll spark like some friendly debates or kind of multiple choice questions where people can say some of their dating preferences. One that I saw you asked, is it a deal breaker if your partner's parents don't like you? And again, what interesting dialogue to have in the comments, to have other people connect and converse over those things. So I'm curious, how do you and your teams do some of this audience research and decide what types of content is going to resonate most with your audience and spark those conversations? 
Yeah, well, there's a lot to tackle here, which I love. So as a place that fosters connection and conversation, we at OkCupid really consider ourselves responsible for shaping dating culture, creating a more positive and welcoming space for everyone. And, you know, that's regardless to how you identify or the type of relationship you're looking for. Like we just talked about, talked about open relationships. Um, And we really do this through all our efforts, through our brand campaigns, through our CRM, through product innovation. So we have tools on our platform that actually make it easier for people who are in an open relationship. We also have in-app questions that are specifically catered to LGBTQ audiences. So there are questions on our app that only a gay person will see, other questions that only a bisexual person will see. We also tailor our questions to the location that you're in. So we understand that if you're dating in New York City, you probably have different things that you're interested in from food and entertainment and culture than someone in London, than someone else in Tel Aviv or Mumbai. So we actually have localized questions in over 30 markets all around the world. And we, again, to your point, we also do this through social media. We're a very data-driven app at OkCupid or a very data-driven company. It's really not surprising because our app was actually founded by for math majors at Harvard. So our algorithm is really more complex than any other dating apps out there. And in terms of our audience research and how that's inspiring the campaigns that we're doing or the content that we're putting out there, we're always interviewing daters on our app, as well as single people who are or aren't on other dating apps. And we're talking to them and finding out what they're looking for, what's important to them, And then we're also always analyzing our own data. So looking at what in-app matching questions are being answered, which ones are being skipped. So we also look at, okay, we added these new political questions to the app in Israel. If there's a high skip rate, we understand that users in that market are not interested in talking about that on their dating app. That's really good for us to know because in a market like the United States, we are very politically active. Our conversations are very politically driven, especially over the last few years. So we have a ton of questions about politics and voting on the app, which have been answered way more than 150 million times already. So we know that that's a really popular question category, but it isn't for everyone all all around the world. So that's something we're, you know, paying attention to. And we're also listening to our users in how in their responses and specifically around how people feel about dating, relationships and sex, but also everything that's top of mind for people from climate change to marriage equality to reproductive rights and sort of bridging this back to what we talked about with being timely and relevant. One of our campaigns, it was, we called it our It's Okay campaign. And it was all about telling people it's okay, no matter what you're looking for in a partner, that's okay, as long as it's okay to you. And we actually launched this in the beginning of 2020 in the United States. And Out of Home began in right here in New York City, where we are headquartered. And as a reminder, that was an election year. So a lot of the images that were, you know, blasted all over the subways were very politically driven. We had images that said, it's okay to choose Mr. Right based on how far left he leans. That got up a lot of attention from Fox News. They were very riled up about that. We also said, it's okay to not date a man who won't vote for a woman, or it's okay to choose to only date someone who's pro-choice. So we're always tacking everything we're doing to the conversations that are happening either on social media or behind closed doors with our family and friends. Yeah. 
I mean, just first of all, how aptly named, I absolutely love the name of that campaign. There's so much to unpack here. Everything you touched on, I, I think it's important to note that yes, your title is the head of global communication. So I'm so glad that you take the time to consider other markets and cultural differences and that you adapt your communications to suit what's best for those types of markets. I think a lot of times, sometimes we want to do marketing in our own little bubble. And it's always important to think globally and um, and inclusively. So I love that that's part of your, your day-to-day and your mission there. And I also love you touched on just the in-app surveys and those questions that you ask because dating is so personal. And why not get personal and ask those questions and really get to the heart of what your daters are looking for? It's very clear you don't just see them as a dollar sign or just someone to download your product. You really want them to feel like they can express themselves and like you can give them hope to find what they're looking for. So I just admire everything that you're doing. So I'd also love to talk about how you may incorporate pop culture into your brand strategy. Have there been any maybe newsjacking moments or fun memes or trends either on TikTok or elsewhere that worked well for OkCupid and kind of stick out in your mind as being something memorable? Yeah, this is one of my favorite questions, I have to admit. So (laughs) our in-app questions allow us to be extremely timely. It actually takes us seconds to add in a new question to the app. And within minutes, millions of people around the country and around the world are able to answer it right on their OkCupid app. A few years ago, we actually inserted ourselves into a conversation around global warming. Mm -hmm. And we did this for a very strategic reason. OkCupid's in-app questions about climate change and the environment have been answered about 15 million times so far, with 97% of our respondents believing climate change is real, and 81% of 7 million people on OkCupid saying they're really concerned about climate change. So we knew this was not only an issue that was really important to our daters, but we also recognize this is a story only OkCupid can really tell. We became the only dating app in the world that was matching people over shared concern for the environment. And we recognize that the amount of data that we have, the these rich insights, no other brand would be able to give that level of detail to any single journalist. So it became a really ownable story angle for us. And knowing that this is an issue that's top of mind for our Gen Z and millennial daters, we decided to also leverage environmental activist Greta Thunberg's popularity. And we actually created OkCupid's first ever dating term, which we called Thunberging. And we said that it referred to two people matching online over a shared belief in climate change and passion for the environment. And the story was covered by hundreds and hundreds of publications across more than a dozen markets around the world. And following the success of this data-driven press story, we actually introduced a new product feature to further activate our users around this issue, which was our climate change advocate badge. And that was turned on the last two years, only during Earth Month in April, but way more than half a million people already added it to their profiles, which is a pretty significant number considering it is a short-term product feature. It's not something that's available all year round. So that's definitely one of my 
favorite bigger examples, but there's also small moments. Not everything needs to become this, you know, huge viral thing for it to be a success. Another one of my favorite examples was actually only here in the United States, and it was during the last presidential election. So during one of the Democratic debates, just as Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren were walking across the stage, OkCupid daters in the United States were served a notification prompting them to answer our newest in-app question. And that question was, could you date someone who wouldn't vote for a woman? And the responses poured in on our app and more than seven in 10 daters said, absolutely not. So those are two of my you know, favorite examples of us, you know, connecting ourselves to a timely conversation in a way that still felt very organic and authentic to our brand. Yeah. I mean, like you said, very authentic to the brand. It seems like this type of messaging and really standing for something and helping people connect through these types of conversations is really OkCupid's biggest differentiator among all the other dating apps out there. There's a lot of competition, but I think this is a really powerful purpose to stand behind and a way to to conduct business. So that is awesome. I'm also curious how those in-app questions work. So it sounds like, yes, you said they'll get a notification. It's not just for new people who sign up, who see updates to the question. It's, It's just instant. They'll get it right on their phone. Yeah. So we have thousands of in-app questions. And when you download OkCupid and start to create a profile, we actually require you to answer 15 of them. Now you can skip any question. There's not a single question on our app that's mandatory because there are some that might make you feel uncomfortable. There's others that might just not be relevant to you. Mm -hmm. So you can skip as many questions as you want, as long as you answer 15. But most people actually go on to answer dozens and dozens more Because the more questions you answer, the more we learn about you and the more compatible your matches are going to be that we show you. Um, So people have a lot of fun with the questions. Sometimes people will go in and organically answer questions themselves. It's almost like a game. Honestly, there are some times where I open the OkCupid app and I'm in a relationship and I just want to answer the questions because they're just really fun to do. Mm -hmm. I think they help a lot of people show themselves what's important to them through, you know, answering these questions. It's almost like an introspective therapeutic exercise. But yeah, so we're adding in new questions every single week. Sometimes we're prompting them to answer new questions. And other times you'll just see it if you're going into the app and choosing to answer more questions. We don't want to bombard our users with notifications every single time we're adding a question. Because again, we're doing it so often. We're also removing questions once they're no longer timely. So we'll ask people if they're watching the premiere of RuPaul's Drag Race. But once the show's over and it wraps for the season, that question is going to disappear from the app. How fun. I think it's a brilliant way to just prevent people's profiles from getting stale too, because Mm -hmm. in some cases, you know, you might be on the app for a long time looking for the one. So you don't want to just have your profile up there and and just leave it. You want to keep it fresh. You want to find new ways to connect with people. So I think that is such a smart way to, to do that and to add excitement to the app on a week to week basis. Even if you've been on it for a long time, it sounds like your users will consistently have a new experience. So I love it. So we're just wrapping up January and I heard there was something called dating Sunday in January. And I'd love to know more about that 
And now that we're leading into February, I'd love to know if you have any insights or trends that you see leading up to Valentine's Day. So tell us about those two things, dating Sunday in January and then heading into Valentine's Day. What are some things that you notice at OkCupid? Yeah. So for those who don't know, Dating Sunday is actually the busiest day for dating apps out of the entire year. And this year it fell on Sunday, January 8th. So this is the busiest day for OkCupid, for Hinge, Tinder, Match.com, Plenty of Fish, every single dating app out there. And the biggest trend we see around this time is just a huge uptick in activity and engagement. And we, again, are very data-driven. So we looked at January 2022's numbers and leading into January, we anticipated reaching over 50 million total conversations, more than 530 million likes, over 40 million matches. And that was all on our app alone in, in January. Now we're leaning into February and you know Valentine's Day is coming up. And I would say that the biggest trend is people just putting as much effort as possible into their dating profiles. Now is not the time to be lazy on dating apps. And I will be the first person to admit Dating is hard. It's a part-time job. It is not easy. <laughs> yeah, However, yeah. the more effort you put into it, the more you're going to get out of it. If you're being passive or lazy or just not super interested in creating your profile or the messages that you're sending people, that's what you're going to attract. You're going to attract people who are also not interested and not super thrilled in dating. And it's okay to take a break from dating. I tell people that all the time. If you're not in the headspace to be dating, either delete the app or pause your account and then come back to it when you're feeling refreshed. I, I think in the beginning of the year, it's so vital that you're doing as much as you possibly can on these apps. So for OkCupid, we recommend people answer more questions. Also, for anyone out there, don't be hesitant to message first. Last January, there were almost 40 million first messages sent on OkCupid. And we anticipate a 10% increase month over month in January of this year. And what's really interesting is that women specifically are sending more first messages than they ever have been in our app's history. And it's really paying off because conversations that are initiated by women on OkCupid last more than double the length of those that are started by men. So that's another trend that we've seen during the pandemic that's just been really incredible. And then also just being honest about what kind of relationship you're looking for. You know, when asked, the majority of over 7 million people on our app said, they want their next relationship to last a few months to a several years for the rest of their life. So that's something that's really top of mind for people. But if a casual hookup is more appealing right now, we're still seeing 22% of respondents looking for a one night fling. So just be honest about what you're looking for and what you're interested in. And you're going to attract people who feel the same way. Yeah. Always the best policy, right? We love, we love honesty. We love honesty. We love it in a relationship, especially and yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of articles and heard from a lot of people that talk about the burnout that you can experience on this app. So I love your approach, encouraging people to take a break or to be yeah. in the right headspace to meet someone because it, it is a lot. It's, and especially around Valentine's Day and there's this climate of you're going to see all these happy relationships and you're going to there's you're going to compare and it's just you want to be in the in the right place at the right time that works for you. 
burnout is real. I tell people all the time, listen to your head, listen to your body. I absolutely love reading. For example, during January, I read, I think five books, but they're reaches a point where I can go weeks without reading because I just need a break. Same thing happens with my TV habits, my social media habits. We all need a break at some point. Absolutely. Even from things that we love. I, I yeah. a refreshing take. So aside from the burnout thing, you also do have a ton of success stories though. So everyone hang in there. I would love to know more about your past users that have found love and, and you already mentioned storytelling how do those stories fit into your brand's messaging and how do you amplify those, those love stories? Yeah. So we share a lot of our success stories on our own platform. So if you go to OkCupid's Instagram page, you will see a highlight of couple stories and we do Q and A's with some of our success stories. And I, I love hearing about people's journey, how they met on OkCupid, what attracted them to the other person. We also have blog posts about fun stories that we heard from our successes. But what I really love, which is something that's more internal and it's not external, it's not something we you know, promote or, or share anywhere is all the wedding invitations that get sent to our office, I actually have them at my desk and we use them to you know, decorate the office with. And it's, it's so beautiful. And it's such a great reminder when you're having a tough day at work or you're tired and you get the mail and it's like a wedding invitation from someone who met at OkCupid. And our the people who find success on our app are really proud of it and they are very vocal about it and they will dm us they will email us and they keep in touch with us so we get emails or photos about when they get engaged when they get married when they're expecting their first child and i think that's absolutely the best part of our job and it's not something you're going to see in a campaign it's not something we feel the need to brag about we just sort of cherish it internally that's so special and just a great reminder of the hope that's that's out there. I'm curious though, have you ever gone to any of the weddings? <laughs> I have not. However, <laughs> I am also on the board of the Human Rights Campaign. And when I first joined five years ago, the person I started to work most closely with, who I still work very closely with today, she met her wife on OkCupid here in New York City, and they are now married. They started a business together and they have twins. That just <laughs> that just checks every box of like what a feel-good story is. That's amazing. You no, know, it's the it's the <laughs> best. It's also like fun seeing employees who have, you know, met on OKCupid or have friends who met on OKCupid. So I mean, we've been around for over 18 years. So there's a lot of these stories that come into our orbit. I love hearing all of them. That's amazing. So yeah, thank you for sharing all of this today. I would love to know if there's anything else you'd like to, to add, any words of wisdom or encouragement for people who are looking to meet others online and maybe if they want to try OkCupid. Okay yeah. Well, first, I've been so happy to come here. I've been a listener of the podcast. So oh, this is like a fan... <laughs> fangirl moment for me, but Likewise. for anyone who is listening and choosing to download OkCupid, or maybe you're already on OkCupid, for the first 30 listeners who email us after listening, so congratulations for making it to the end of the episode, and we're going to give you a little prize. If you email, and let's follow the directions carefully, because I know there's a lot, but I'm going to make it as easy <laughs> as possible. Email subscriptions, that's plural, subscriptions at okcupid.com from the email address that's linked to your account. 
and we will upgrade you to OKCupid Premium for three months on us so that you can enjoy and unlock all the different features on our app. So that's a deal for existing users or new users. So again, the email address is subscriptions at okcupid.com and we will get you upgraded. Ah, oh, that is so generous. Thank you. I love doing giveaways on here. So thank you so much. I'm sure our listeners will love that. Um, actually, I have like a closeout icebreaker to share with you before I let you go. I noticed there was one of these scenarios on OkCupid's Instagram where you said, one of these classic first date ideas has to go. So I'm curious on your take. Drinks, coffee, or dinner? If you had to omit one, which has to go? I would say dinner because you have an easier out from coffee or drinks if you're just not feeling any spark or compatibility. So if you know this is someone who either they're better off as a friend or you're just not really that interested, it's a lot easier to you know wrap up after one cup of coffee or wrap up after a drink before committing yourself to you know a full meal. So. I would say as much as I love food, I would say dinner. <laughs> Sounds good. And yeah, if, if you go to drinks and the night's going well, maybe you'll go grab a bite to eat after. So it kind of leaves it open-ended. So. Yep. <laughs> Michael, this was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. And again, thank you for that special gift for those who are listening. Everyone go follow OkCupid okay and good luck finding love. This was a, an amazing conversation. Thank you. Thanks so much. If you're a fan of this podcast, be sure to subscribe or better yet, leave a review. For marketing wisdom with a pop culture twist sent straight to your inbox, sign up for my newsletter at briannefleming.com slash newsletter or find me on Twitter at Brianne2k. As always, thanks for listening.